And now, a few minutes with two of my friends, who will soon be yours, the Techie and the Cowboy. All right, all right. Welcome to the next episode of the Techie and the Cowboy. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. the Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. the Cowboy. Normally we'd stop there, but we got a special guest on today. So, T.W., I'll let you do the introductions. I'd like to introduce you all to my good friend from Houston, Jaime Garcia, who's the pastor of Bethel Baptist Church on the west side, correct? That is correct. I know Jaime from some hurricane relief work that my church has done in Houston. We made a couple of trips down there. The neighborhoods around Jaime's church were greatly affected, and he has spearheaded this uh, effort, and we've been glad to help him and get to know him through that experience. I asked him to join us because he has a great story about his life before knowing Jesus, making the commitment, and serving as he does now uh, as a spiritual leader in his neighborhood. So, Jaime, please take it from here and, and share with us what you would like to. Awesome. What an honor it is uh, to join you guys uh, on your show. And thank you for what you guys do and uh, just uh, being able to share the gospel. Uh, but thank you uh, for this opportunity. Uh, hey, just born in Monterrey, Mexico. Uh, uh, moved to, to Brownsville, that border town right there in uh, Texas, and was raised uh, there. Uh, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, our, my father, biological father of uh, four children, uh, had three siblings and he left us. Um, so my mom was a single mom, uh, for a bit and raised us. Uh, she came to know the Lord. So because of that, we were always in church somewhere or another, you know, cleaning the property, hanging out, Bible study, vacation, Bible school. And so we started to hear the gospel. Uh, later on, my dad came in the picture, uh, which, which which my stepfather, I call him dad now, and he raised us and he brought us to Houston, Texas. And what a journey it's been here in Houston ever since then. At the age of uh, 13, we got here and started attending some small churches. And uh, it was through that uh, just fervent uh, commitment of my mother to take us to church. It's where we got to hear the gospel and uh, at the age of 13, gave my life to Jesus Christ. And then later on, my stepfather came to know Christ, and he's definitely serving faithfully now at the Spanish church where they're at. Wow, what a powerful story! Wow. Yes, and 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 here here's a real here's a real story. Uh, my mom was so faithful; did not know the the language of English. Took us to this little church called Northside Baptist Church, just a quarter of a mile from where I'm pastoring at this time. And she was faithful, taking us because she knew that the gospel would change the direction of our life and eternally and she felt that and she lived that because of her commitment pastor louis saw that he, he saw that commitment so he started a spanish mission where my mom could understand the the preaching and the teaching and uh it was through that great work that uh, that happened with the iglesia bautista uh Northside, the mission that it actually within two years that outgrew the anglo church the anglo church that was there and they merged with another Anglo church, Iglesia Bautista Doverside. And to this point right now, Iglesia Bautista Doverside exists where my parents are worshiping. Uh, my mom said, let's go. And I said, I was 15 years old. I said, mom, I'm not going. So what do you mean? I said, I'm staying with the Anglo community. That's the white people. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and she said, well, why would you do that? Give me two reasons. Number one, they start on time. Okay. Cause you know, <laughs> 
culture. We never start on time. Number, number two, they are so organized. So we're so disorganized. And I've got to learn how to do those things right uh, because I want to be able to impact and influence our, our, our community one day. Little did I know that I would have the opportunity to lead a uh, mostly second and third generation Hispanic congregation, English speaking with our Spanish now mission uh, that, that serves with us for Spanish church, like an extension. And now I'm able to take those things about, hey, we're going to start on time and we're going to get organized because it's important because, you know, time is of the essence. The Bible says our life's like a vapor and we've got to get the gospel out. So we've got to get on point and be organized. God has got to order. And it's, it's funny trying to teach that to our culture, but it's a, it's a joy. It's a joy. But that's where I came to know Christ through that wonderful church uh, and also got my call in ministry. Now, you said that he, she knew that it would change the direction of your, your background and of your life. Tell us a little bit about that background before it is that you had gotten up to that point. Absolutely. Well, we were raised in an, in the area where we're at, a very uh, a bad uh, neighborhood, uh, a lot of crime, uh, gangs specifically. Uh, we're very, we're just at the top of the game. Uh, the Raiders, the Familia, the Familia was the main gang that had all these little pockets of, of small gangs. My brother was the my my brother my second youngest brother was actually the the ringleader for that for that gang uh the the raiders and he was very well known and i asked my brother uh what is it that that puts you towards that direction he said it's because i had all, all i wanted is somebody to come see me play at the baseball game and dad would work and mom was busy taking care of us all no one had the time and because of that uh i just felt alienated and i felt like and I saw he started to choose a different kind of direction. Also, the, the, the other thing that led him to that, uh, that direction is that uh, there was a point where my sister's uh, a boyfriend would come and beat her. And so he would try to intervene. I was already out of the house by that time, but, 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 but he, he couldn't he compete. So he went and got him a gun and he felt that powerful man, just that, that drive to, to be able to control people with that. And, and, and he did. And so at age, age 13, he started getting the gangs. And as of now, he's still in prison. At age 18, uh, he went in for prison for murder. Uh, he's been there over 23 years. Uh, it's a very devastating thing. So I grew around and seen all that. And so my direction of ministry, little did I know, would be to minister to those people that he was around. So I would literally uh, go to these parties, these gang parties, and show up and not to preach to them, Simply just tell him, hey, guys, just want to let you know that I love you guys. I don't agree with what you're doing, but I just want you to know that I'm here for you, and I love you. Uh, ended up starting the gang ministry, basketball ministry, fed them, played basketball, able to reach a lot of those young people through Christ. But it took my brother going to prison for me to accept my calling. So uh, it was an eye-opening uh, for my life. It's interesting that you say that because I have a couple other friends that also come from gang backgrounds that turn their lives around. And they said the exact same thing. They were looking for that sense of family, the sense yes. of community, somebody to be able to look up to them. So I love how it is that you uh, approach them with the non-judgmental uh, attitude whenever it is that you're going to talk to them. Cause I think that's super important. Absolutely. You know, and to this point, I believe that strongly. I tell people when you come to my office, I want you to, I don't know what kind of baggage you have, what history, what you got going on. But when you leave this office, I'm going to love you even more. I'm going to love you even more. And I know that God can do, the impossible in, in your situation. He could turn things around. I'm here to say to you that uh, 12 years in, into the prison time, my brother, he gave his life to Christ. Wow. Uh, he, he got clicked out in the prison, literally got beat up, and, uh, and they were supposed to kill him, but the guy couldn't do that. 
he couldn't, he says, I can't do this, man. They stepped out. My brother now, uh, man, knows the Lord. It's amazing the, the comfort that we have now knowing that my brother is in Christ now. And he is so different as uh, people testify upon that. But yes, my, my brothers, uh, you know, we're, we're not called to be judges. Uh, we're called to, to, to love, uh, help people, guide them, point them to, to Jesus, the one that could change them. And uh, just pray that, uh, that they would uh, receive that and embrace it. Tell us how you got into working in any kind of church activity. Did you study? Did you go to a seminary? Did you just join a church and start working? How'd that happen? Well, uh, the most beautiful thing, you know, relationships. Uh, I had a youth pastor that invested in my life. His name was Buster Riley. Uh, this this young, young man uh, just just loved on me and my family. I saw that love. I saw the love for the gospel in his life. And before you knew it, I just I knew that that would be my calling. Everywhere he went, uh, on the school campus, uh, we used to lead uh, 100 students in my senior year for Bible study. Uh, man, I knew that the young people and, and that were, were so important uh, for this generation. Uh, it was through, through Buster Riley's, this youth pastor, his example of seeing my pastors in my life that, that I got just a, this, this desire to serve the Lord. And, and then what I actually ended up pulling my calling to accept the calling was my brother going to prison for murder. And at that point, I surrendered to the, to, to the Lord. I said, you know, you do whatever you want in my life. So for 25 years, I was bivocational, worked for Centerpoint. I was a youth pastor part-time. And just recently, the last uh, seven years, I um, uh, get the opportunity and the honor to, to serve our church as a lead pastor there at Bethel Baptist Church. Talk about accepting that calling, because there's a lot of people that have that tug, uh, but they ignore it because they feel like it's not what they are equipped to do, not what it is they want to do. But talk about accepting that calling, and then also talk about what keeps you going every day, you know, whenever it is that you hit. I'm sure you've hit some some challenges. So uh, what keeps you going? Whenever you get to yeah, well, you know, the struggle with, with the calling is you just don't feel qualified, you know, because the reality is I had no college. I, 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 you know, I grew up with, with five siblings and, and we were poor and, 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 you know, we don't, we didn't go to college. Uh, that was not, we get a job, you know, and work your hours and make it happen that way. Uh, seminary, well, uh, I went part-time, but that was a struggle trying to juggle the family uh, and, and the, my children, my wife, and my ministry, and had a business at that time. So it was a very, very challenging thing. And so, I think the, str the struggle with many, many men and women that want to answer the calling is, is number one, uh, can I do it? Am I qualified to do it? Uh, and number two is uh, how? How is it that it's done? And I would say to you, let me tell you something, man, when uh, God will always qualify the called, you know, he will always do that. He will put people in, in place. Uh, and the Holy Spirit will empower you to do the things as long as you're obedient and, uh, and ready, ready, ready to follow the Lord. And uh, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy uh, to follow the call. It's never easy. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, when you decide to do it, uh, the Lord with the Lord, he'll help you because there is a lot of struggles. There, there's a lot of pulls. Uh, there's a lot of expectation. And one of the things that I've understood clearly in my ministry is that I'm not here to please anyone. I want to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. And what that means is you got to keep it, the, the gospel simple. So when I came to pastor, I told him, hey, guys, you know my story. Okay, you know, you know, student ministry, no college, very little seminary to none. But I will teach you two things. Love God and love people. 
And then out of that, we're going to be a serving church. And because of that simplicity, it's amazing what, what, what you, you could just transfer to your people and to the, the congregation. And then when the lost people come, they understand that, you know what, because they love God and because there's actions in their words and loving people, man, we want to be part of a church that's serving the community. And that's kind of who, who we became. That's amazing. Now, I know this is a challenge when it comes to any kind of leaders, period, but especially church leaders. You talked about it a little bit, that balance of life, TW, and it always lasts to me because I'm always talking about balance of life, right? And you said at the very beginning, balancing the family and, you know, being the leader of the church was, was really difficult. Tell us about that and what you and how you've grown in that. Is it something you're still working on or is it something that you feel like you've gotten down or? <laughs> no, I don't have it down. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a fireball. I'm ready to get out and get there. I'm ready. I, you know, sometimes you can overwhelm yourself with, 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 with things and, and good things, but is it the right thing? Is it the right time? Uh, I'm gonna give you an example. Harvey, uh, we, we, a year and a half ago, uh, our church was, uh, man, it was turned upside down with stuff everywhere and people everywhere. The leadership called the meeting and said, Hey, what's going on? Who made this call? What's happening? Uh, we understand we're helping people, but how long are we going to do this? And I turned around and put on the board, I put hashtag nothing is normal. And as long as it's not normal with the people that just got affected by this, this hurricane, it cannot be normal with this church. I don't know about that church, that pastor, or that family, but as far as us, this is this is what we're going to do. And, and we took that and, and we went for a man, just nonstop, 16 hours, days, weeks, months. And my wife and my kids and even my church says, hey, when are you going to stop? You know, when are you going to stop? I said, look, as long as we have the resources, as long as we have the volunteers, I think we keep going. Uh, but there was a point there that I thank God did for my associate pastor and put me to the side. People like Walter and others, people that come and say, Pastor, slow down, uh, take your break. And uh, of, of course, you know, prioritizing your family, making sure that, 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 they're, that they are taken care of. You know, uh, loving God has is, 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 is got to be the number one thing. But secondly, you got you to invest in your family. And if you do that, your family will support you. And so even through that and even the busyness of, of these last seven years and ministry, the adjustments has always had to be, hey, the balance coming back and it's prioritized with family. Because if the family is good, the family of God is going to be amazing. It's amazing. Not only that, but then your family will come on board and support you and be with you. Instead of complaining and criticizing you, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna applaud you and thank you. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a hard adjustment because you love the church so much. You want to do so many things. But sometimes those things are not always the right thing to do because you want to be able to prioritize that balance. Like you said, they got to get that family on board and they'll be part of the picture. It's a beautiful thing when that happens. Where did the inspirations for your sermons come from? Man, my, my, my inspiration for the sermon is just an everyday walk uh, and seeing our people and where they're at in life. For instance, uh, this year we have a theme and our theme is this ordinary people, extraordinary lives. And I believe that we're just an ordinary people. We're an ordinary church, but I believe that with God in the, in the front, you know, with, with our growing in discipleship work in the, in the Bible study that, that, that we can do extraordinary things that we become that extraordinary life. Just like the disciples, they were simple men. Okay, they were unlearned, uneducated men. But one thing was known about these men. They had men that had been with Jesus. Without them even uttering a word, there was a spirit upon them 
they, they knew the people knew that these men were different. They had been with Christ. So, so the inspiration for, for me on a daily basis is just looking at our people and, and their lives and their direction and, and the heart for our, our community is what really stirs me up because we're not a church that's uh, inside the wall. You know, we, we, we believe in coming Sunday to huddle so we can go and make an impact in the community. That's amazing. You have uh, a lot of, uh, you've run a lot of people through your church and uh, gym that's now your staging area for all the goods that you've got. Tell us how that has developed and grown to where people now just come to you, say, hey, look, I got a truckload of clothes I want to give to you to distribute. Well, you know, what's amazing is our gym is now a warehouse. It was turned to warehouse. And uh, uh, I have never seen anything like this, but I really believe that 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 we kind of become uh, man, the, the, the place where people can come and, and, and just get resources and get help. And, and because we're still available and we're willing to, to serve the community, people, I, I just don't, I can't even explain how, from all over the nation have brought, whether it's funding or brought uh, tangible things, resources or food or supplies to our church. The word has spread. We've had over 33 states, over 32 states that have actually worked with us through this process, whether it's lodging, whether it's resourcing or volunteering with us. It's it just, it just amazing. And, and you know, we don't have no kind of checklist or, 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 or book that, that taught us how to do this. This is what we learned. We have to be willing. And we have to be willing to sacrifice. You know, we, we have to be willing to sacrifice. And part of that's going to be, you know, your time, your energy, and getting people involved and, and casting that vision, you know, every week to the people to, to know that this is to us, this was the, the, the biggest evangelistic platform that we have ever been received. We, there's no way in the world we'll be able to serve and minister so many people in such a short period of time in the history of this church. Uh, within 14 months, we tallied that we served over 11,000 people. Wow. In one way or another. And there's no way that we could have done this, ever done this uh, in, in the community if it wasn't for this. So the tragedy that came we looked at it as an opportunity to present the gospel because we we live in an area where there's a lot of uh, Catholicism, you know, and, and, and the people just don't go to church or they're on church. But right now, uh, as we knock on doors, Hey, we're here to bring something to you. The doors are wide open and people are just receptive to the gospel. It's amazing. It goes back to what you said with God uh, equipping the called, right? So all yes, of those falling into place. But, but more than uh, just the people in your neighborhood, you run a lot of uh, church groups, particularly uh, young people through there that uh, are very moved by what they see. The, they didn't realize the personal impact to them. Harvey was uh, you know, something you saw on TV. It wasn't until they got down and dirty that they saw that. And that had to change their lives as well. Oh my goodness! Very uh, transformational for their lives. Uh, actually, the word got around that people were begging to go and serve with us. You know, similar to what you did to go into the, and in the, in the Spanish we call the colonias or the the the, the neighborhoods, the suburbs, and the areas where where they were affected so so desperately here in East Houston, uh, uh, just west of us. And 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 so people would come and 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 participate in that. 
and they would come back in tears and, and develop relationship with these people and get their numbers and send them letters. Uh, just last week, I received a check for $165 from a team from Michigan. It was a high school uh, seniors that were here last year, and they picked up an offer in their Sunday class just to say, Pastor, keep helping the people of Harvey. Isn't that wow. amazing? Wow. Uh, there's another story. There was a group of 30 or 40 from north of Dallas in, in the Grapevine, and they didn't even lodge at our location. They came to serve with us one day, and we took them in the neighborhood, and we did some hands-on and got to meet the people and distribute supplies. They came back. They gathered in tears that they, they got word back to their church. And on that day before they left, they said, Pastor, we have a surprise for you. So what's that? They said, our church has made a commitment because of what you guys are doing that we're going to pay your life bill, whatever it is, the next month. I said, you serious? I said, y'all don't even lodge here. You know? He says, no. And the bill was $4,000. And they paid for it. Wow. They paid because they saw just the, the power of God just just being 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 uh, uh, used through the people, the willing vessels. And these were young people. Young people. Wow. So t- you touched on a little bit that, that it was kind of, and TW touched on a little bit too, uh, you know, the impact of Harvey. So talk about now, you said about a year and a half later, right? We're out. Uh, the impact that Harvey has had on your area and the continuous impact that it'll have moving forward as far as uh, people's lives. Yes. We had actually a, a member that's been to our church and they've been going for uh, a year and a half. They didn't utter not one word through all this work we were doing. And um, I tell people that you'll never know a need until you go and see the need. So I, I ended up uh, get, finally getting to their home uh, uh, on, a, on a day. I had been there at night, but, and I was shocked to see, to see what I saw. And they had a tarp mat on the roof. And I, I told the, the kids, the daughters, hey, what's going on? Oh, we've had a leak before the storm. But when the storm came through, it really just caused some damage. Now we got buckets in there. Every time it rains, we have to put a bucket. And we're talking about a dad that's 36 years old, weighs 98 pounds. He has an illness right now. The mom's the one that's supporting everybody. And we got four, four precious daughters. And I say, hey, do you mind if I come inside the house? When I went inside the house, I was broken because one of the girls was sleeping on a mattress with mold on it. Mm. And the, 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 the bedrooms had mold on the roof, and the she was already broke where the water came through. They, they were living like this even before the storm. And I was like, this, this should not be. And, and so we came back, and we did an, uh, a makeover. We cleaned up the whole yard. Then we came back, and, and we were resourced with some finances, and we put a brand-new roof on their home. And then went back and replaced all that sheetrock and we painted that, and now the girls have paint, and they're painting the walls themselves. Wow. Now that's transformational. Let me tell you something. That that man hadn't stepped in the church in a long time, and he got on his knees and said, "I don't know why y'all, why y'all doing this for us, but I thank you." The man's been coming faithfully to our church. Wow. And you know what? We didn't go there to preach. We didn't go there to take a Bible. We went and 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 lift the Bible through us, you know, and with action. And uh, and this, the, their stories like this all over the place and they tell us this will be a, a eight to nine year uh event well this is why we have seven teams coming here in the next two months to come and stay at our church so they can work with organizations to rebuild the communities so if you look at the commercial you know people have kind of lost interest as far as the news media and everything else when it comes to harvey because there's always something else that they have to chase um and you talk about you know there being an eight to nine year impact 
of trying to rebuild these communities. I mean, even if you look at areas like the Katrina devastated areas now, there's there's still places that have never been rebuilt. There's still people that are struggling from that. So, so this is a long-term thing as well. So somebody wanted to come and volunteer. Somebody wanted to come and actually help because this gets out to a lot of people. Talk about, you know, what that process looks like. Well, the first thing I would tell you is to Google hashtag nothing is normal. Uh, That's the hashtag we created. And if you'll, if you'll do that, You'll be able to see it or lead you to everything and all the things that 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 we were able to show the world and see what's going on. The second thing is then that they can send a message to your station. They can get my number or get our church number. They can contact us uh, if they want to connect with some of these organizations. They can lodge at our place and uh, and and then we'll connect them there. Uh, and and we still have some supplies that we need to get. We got paint, so so people volunteers come down. We'll find houses. And they can go and paint. We got paintbrushes, three thousand dollars worth of paintbrushes, in our uh, uh, warehouse, our gym, with the paint. We have windows. A millionaire sent us one hundred thousand dollars worth of windows. We've only been able to give out half of those windows uh, because we need help to get it to the people. So, definitely opportunities. Uh, you can look us up. Uh, you can Google our church, Bethel Baptist Church, or even go through my other ministry that I work with inner city students here in Houston, uniquestudent.org, and they can lead you to us. No, I mean, it's an amazing thing what it is that you're doing. I have I have a lot of business associates, friends. I went to school with Stephen F. Austin, which is only a couple hours from Houston. Yeah. Uh, and so we used to spend a lot of time in Houston. And a lot of my friends that went to SFA also are from the Houston area too. So I've been able to see firsthand some of the devastation that's happened, uh, you know, from Harvey. So, so, so much gratitude for what it is that you're doing. And so much gratitude for you accepting that calling back when you first did, but then also being open to the spirit, talking to you about creating this mission and getting out there and really making an impact. And the ripple effect that has been caused with the lives that you changed from people that may have not even considered, uh, you know, going to church or, you know, their faith. Yeah. Absolutely. You might uh, not be fully up to speed on what it is that also and I are doing or trying to accomplish with this podcast but we bill ourselves basically as two ordinary guys who are struggling and trying to find God's path for us and deal with issues that people of all ages, but particularly young men have about getting involved in organized religion. Given that that's our audience and that you have experience in dealing with all kinds of people coming to explore the church, is this for me? What do I do about this problem with religion? What about this? What about this? What kind of advice would you give basically our audience? Well, I'm glad glad you asked. And for the audience, I will tell you this. One of the most beautiful things that, that we did uh, at Bethlehem's church is this, that we went out to the community as the church. Okay, now I want you to follow me. This is very important. Uh, the church is, is at the end of the day is what matters. In other words, the gospel, not a Baptist church, not a denomination, not an organization, not a title of a pastor. And for if, and for you that, that are searching out, the first thing you need to search is is, is for God. Search, search for God. Ask, ask him, you know, and meet with him, speak to him. You don't need a building. Uh, you don't need a pastor. What you need is you need a God that can answer you and and give a direction. Now, once you you get to know the God that we serve, once you get to to to, to experience His forgiveness of your sin and 
And, and, and once you understand that it's a God that is not a far off, it's a God that is near you. Once you know that it's, that it's a God that wants to, you know, transform you and it takes time, you know, to do that. And, and he's willing to be long suffering and patient with you as you go in this new direction of Christianity and, and being disciple. It, eventually what happens is, is through that process, you'll so fall in love with the church and he'll lead you to the correct church that he's leading into to, in your neighborhood, wherever that may be, not so that you could receive, but so that, that you can give because God gave you eternal life. He gave you hope and he gave you that opportunity to have a life change. And, and you, you join a church, you become part of a, an organization called the church so that you can be part of that, so that you can be able to share with others the great joy and the peace that you, now you have that you didn't have. And uh, whatever the struggle it is that you're going through, uh, let me tell you something, God can overcome that. We just must be willing to trust him by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things yet not seen. So my brothers, my friends, I would say to you, have faith, trust in him. And when you do that, he will make things clear to you and he'll give you the understanding. Wow. No better place to end than that. So that's super awesome. Give them your phone number to your church. You said that they can reach out. They can call the church. Give them the phone number to your church. So that way they know where it is to reach out. And then also give them your website. So that way they can look you up too. And we'll put that also inside of our Facebook page as well. Absolutely. You can call us at 713-694-2381. And our office manager, Debbie, will be glad to help you and to, uh, to guide you through the through our website and, and give you everything you need. You can also follow us on, on Facebook, Bethel Baptist uh, Houston, uh, and check it out. Also, Bethel, BethelBaptistHouston.org, and uh, check it out and, and, uh, and see how we can be a help to you. That's so awesome. Any final questions for Jaime there, TW? No, I'm good. I talk to him all the time. This is your first chance. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being on, brother. Hopefully it is that we impact somebody's life out there. Our goal, like TW said, is just to tackle some of the topics that uh, guys don't normally talk about when it comes to faith and their relationship with God and, and finding that space for them to be able to fit in. And you definitely helped and hit some of those points. So we appreciate you being on, brother. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Jaime. All right, guys, so you got it. There goes. We close this episode. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And I'm T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. Make sure it is that you go to Facebook and, and definitely share this if you find somebody that you know that can be impacted by this. But also make sure it is that you comment and allow us to know what it is that you think. We'll put all of the information for Jaime inside of our uh, Facebook page and on our Twitter and all of our social media outlets, so go check that out. But most importantly, subscribe, so that way it is that you can hear amazing interviews like this. All right, guys, we're out. Let's kick that country outro music. That's it for this episode. Join us again next time for The Techie and the Cowboy. Hit us up on our website, thetechieandthecowboy.com. Let us know what y'all think.